broadcasting from the UNMC College of Nursing. Get ready for RN Huddle, the podcast dedicated to bringing hot topics for and by nurses to the table. Hello, everybody. This is Heidi Keeler, host of RN Huddle. Thank you so much for joining us again today on this episode. And, you know, recently we've, we've reached a milestone in our country in that with the pandemic and all that we've been through to sustain and, and to uh, care for our patients, we now have what seems to be relief. We have two immunizations that have been approved by the FDA and are currently being administered to our frontline workers and then to others after that. And so, you know, here at RN Huddle, we were thinking about, well, what does it take to plan this out and, and who are those folks that are the masterminds behind all of this? And so on this episode of RN Huddle, we are going to talk to Nebraska Medicine's Director of Quality and Patient Safety. And we are going to kind of peel back some of the layers of how does this get planned? How does this all go down? And, and who are the decision makers and the movers and shakers and all of this? And so we have brought Nicole Skinner, and she is going to walk us through all of these things. So let's go ahead and get started. Well, welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited to have you on the show. And just so that our listeners know, Nicole is also joined today by another special guest to RN Huddle, little Miss Jenna Lee. She's Nicole's 18-month-old daughter. And as you all know, in this time of social distancing and trying to record these episodes while folks are at a distance over Zoom, trying to do their jobs, trying to fit everything in. Sometimes uh, our life, our work-life balance tends to collide. And you know what? That's okay. And if anything COVID has taught us is that we need to give each other grace. So thank you so much, Nicole. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about your role at Nebraska Medicine? Okay. I'm excited to be here. My name is Nicole Skinner. I'm the Director of Quality and Patient Safety. I am a nurse by background. I actually went to UNMC for my bachelor's and Clarkson College for my master's. So really excited to be able to engage with fellow nurses and peers. As the director of quality and patient safety, I oversee four departments with five areas of responsibility. And they are pretty big, broad departments. So our first department is called population health. Uh, And the whole concept of population health is what can we do to stop providing sick care and start providing well care. It's really about what can we do to reduce ED utilization, what can we do to reduce hospitalizations, reduce readmissions, what are those preventative care screening measures that we really need to implement across our community so that we can keep our patients healthy. Uh, and eliminate any need for that inpatient environment. I also oversee our operational improvement team. These are your process improvement specialists. They are certified in Six Sigma black belts. 
really they're focused on what can we do to improve patient outcomes, what can we do to reduce patient costs, and what do we do to improve patient and colleague satisfaction. So they are those workflow experts, those engineers, um, some of them are clinical, we actually have two nurses on the team right now, and they really look at an overall process, an overall system need or a problem, and work with teams of people so that we can uh, develop the best outcomes outcomes, the best workflows possible to improve that care. I also oversee the clinical quality and patient safety team, and this is the team that I would break into two different segments. From a clinical quality perspective, they are focused on what we can do to eliminate hospital-acquired conditions, infections, blood clots, different adverse events that could happen as a result of an extended inpatient stay. They also look at every mortality that happens in the organization to truly try and understand if something different could have occurred to keep the patient healthy or potentially incorporate palliative care or hospice care sooner. From a patient safety perspective, these individuals are really focused on what do we need to do to be a more reliable environment? Uh, how can we eliminate harm both for patients and our colleagues? They look at serious safety events, they look for trends and themes, and then they implement projects so that we can prevent harm from happening in our inpatient, outpatient, surgical settings, et cetera. I also oversee the infection control team. This team is focused on not only what are those clinical protocols, those clinical practices that we need to put in place to keep our patients safe, but what are the workflows, what are the processes that we need to incorporate to keep our colleagues safe? They are focused on everything from what's in the water to what's in the air to what type of filters do we need in place, especially right now when we're talking about COVID. They are so ingrained in all of our processes to ensure not only patient safety, but colleague safety as we're going through this pandemic. So that's a high level overview of my, my departments and my teams, and really a lot of the village that it's taking to implement the COVID vaccine allocation plan for Nebraska Medicine and UNMC. Nicole, that is simply incredible. You are a nurse who is really a, a nurse of all trades and really high up in the decision-making and the operationalization of things that typically nurses who are practicing on the floor or in clinics or whatever, we don't typically think about these things. And so I was just, you know, chuckling to myself because I was thinking, goodness, what if you're on an elevator and somebody turned to you and said, oh, hi, what do you do? <laughs> that was quite a mouthful. <laughs> it depends on who asks. Sometimes I say I'm a nurse and sometimes I say I'm an administrator. It kind of, how many, how many floors do we have to go? <laughs> Isn't that just like a nurse to just be completely involved and in charge of everything, and yet still we are all from the same cloth, right? So, well, I, I am just fascinated by all of the things that you do, and I'm extremely proud as a UNMC faculty member and clinical partner of Nebraska Medicine of the part that we have played in the COVID pandemic over, you know, the past, what has it been now, nine, 10 months? And really the part that we've played in the development and the trials related to COVID and now in the administration of the vaccine. And so I'm wondering if maybe you could just give us a little snapshot of, of where you've played in all of this process as the months have unfolded. 
Yeah, I will tell you, you know, everybody, everybody was pretty overwhelmed by 2020. Um, I will tell you, January, the news got out that there was this COVID-19 virus. And then by March was really when we were in full on pandemic mode. And I will tell you most everything that we were working on, you know, for my population health hat, we were working on how do we get patients uh, breast cancer screening? How do we get patients colorectal cancer screening? And then it turned into nobody's going to come to any of our clinic appointments unless it's urgent or emergent. We need to completely modify our approach. Our teams have been involved in so much related to patient care and it's in all settings, inpatient, surgical, ambulatory settings. Not only what is the best way to care for patients, what type of testing do they need, um, what type of instructions do they need, but also our colleagues. What type of personal protective equipment do you need? How do we have it readily available? What are the workflows? What are the different scenarios? And our infection prevention team and our infectious disease medical directors have done an extraordinary amount of work to make sure that we can safely and effectively care for our, our patients. I will tell you in the beginning, everything was very PPE focused. Uh, mm -hmm. How do we decontaminate our N95s? Where do we get more? Who needs fit tested? Everything was very involved in who needs what level of PPE and when. Things that we and typically took for granted, right? We took it for granted. You know, you would use an N95 for half a second. You would decide you needed to go leave the patient's room and go back and do something mm -hmm. different. And so you would just take it off, toss it in the trash and get a fresh one out of the box. And now we're having to be very reserved and very careful with our PPE. And we have people wearing PPE for hours and hours on end. And, you know, they're being decontaminated six, seven, eight, nine times. And so it's just really trying to focus on what we need to do to keep our colleagues safe. I will say we have done a tremendous amount of work to ensure safety in the, in, in the clinical setting. And then when did it shift from PPE? You said in the beginning it was very PPE focused and then at some point it must have shifted to testing and then vaccine trials. How, how did that process yeah, go down? So I will say everything seemed like it happened really quickly. And so when I say first it was focused on PPE, it was like everything almost happened in parallel where you start working on PPE, then we started focusing on testing. Um, I will say our, our laboratory personnel is just phenomenal. Um, Dr. Steve Heinrichs, Dr. Paul Bay, I mean, they and their colleagues, I know I'm missing names, but they have just worked so hard to make sure that testing could occur that the test results were happening in a quick manner. You know, we've got these nurses working on a non-COVID unit that, that are caring for a patient, but they still don't know if they're COVID positive or not. And so just making sure that the turnaround time was acceptable, making sure that the communication about whether or not a patient was positive or negative happened in a timely manner. I mean, it, it helps to relieve a lot of anxiety if we can get those admission screenings back in a timely manner, and then we can proceed with care or transition the patient to the correct environment if they do need COVID level of isolation. So it's just, I, I feel like the work has, has never stopped. I don't know if anybody has gotten a break in complete honesty, where I think um, we used to, you know, maybe have the weekends to yourself or at least a holiday to yourself. Now I feel like 
and I'm not trying to uh, scare you away from healthcare. It's an exciting time, but I just feel like people are working around the clock to make sure that we can effectively care for patients, that we can give them all the treatments that we have, that we can get testing completed, that our colleagues are protected and safe. And I'm when when you say the the cliche, it takes a village. It literally takes a village to make sure that everything is functioning as intended. Right, right. I I remember that we at some point in this shifted to, and I'm sure this must have fallen under your population health hat, we shifted into community testing and having testing, running testing centers out in the community, trying to, you know, offer those services to our clients. And I'm sure as we were screening, we were thinking, okay, what happens when we get the results? What treatments do we have? What what can we offer patients to help them get better? I know that I participated in the, the community screening and it was fantastic. And I think one of the most incredible things that I can say about it is in the face of need, Nebraska Medicine and UNMC figured out how to 3D print screening swabs, which was incredible, just incredible feat to show the dedication towards patient safety, patient screening, and care for the patients. Just amazing. So as trials and things were happening in tandem, as you, as you mentioned, at what point did things start shifting towards, well, we think this vaccine or the, the vaccines are going to drop how are we going to plan for this? Tell us about what that was like. Yeah, so really, it's, it's hard because we were getting so much information about immunizations, but it was all varying. I would say in probably the summer of 2020, you'd hear comments about, oh, we'll have the vaccine by the end of the year. Oh, we'll have the vaccine by next summer. So part of it was, what am I planning for? Am I planning to have vaccine ready by fall, November, December? Is it next July? And so from a project planning perspective, there were a lot of unknowns. We knew vaccine was coming. We knew that there were four or five contenders that the US FDA was willing to look at. But again, even within those, we didn't know the EUAs, we didn't know, um, we didn't know what the requirements or restrictions or age limitations were going to be. We didn't know a lot of information. The other interesting piece that happened as we were trying to plan for vaccines, so I will tell you vaccines probably, vaccine planning probably got hard and heavy around October where our plan from a Nebraska Medicine UNMC standpoint was we wanted to have a plan in place by the end of November with the thought of we have no idea if we're going to have vaccine in December, January, February, no idea when the vaccine's coming. But let's at least try and have something planned by the end of November. Well, at that same time, the monoclonal antibody therapy was released. Um, so I'm going to totally butcher the name, but bam, bam, liminav, bam, bam. <laughs> all of those, it, all of those we, immunologics are just so difficult to say. We've been calling it MAB therapy, um, but the monoclonal <laughs> antibody therapy, which is a wonderful option for patients that um, are COVID positive to help prevent hospitalization, but it also needed workflows, pharmacy evaluation, operational improvement help with what does screening look like? What does the criteria selection look like? Informaticists to help try and figure out if the EHR could support um, some type of algorithm-based approach so we're providing an equitable evaluation of who should receive 
the MAB therapy, especially because we knew we were going to have limited doses and there were probably going to be hundreds of people who could qualify. So in the middle of vaccine planning, we all had to pivot for about two weeks to get our MAB therapy set up and running and functional. And so I think that threw us all a little bit for a loop in terms of still trying to meet the end of November timeline in terms of what is our plan for COVID vaccination of colleagues. We got it done. We finalized our COVID vaccine plan the beginning of December. So about the week before the vaccines hit our door, but it was definitely a high stress, high pressure moment because you're tapping into all the same teams. Between Nebraska Medicine and and UNMC, we have about 18,000 colleagues when you include students. Right. And right or wrong, you only have so many pharmacists, so many infection preventionists, so many infectious disease medical directors, and they all need to be involved in both conversations. And so really tapping into a lot of the same resources for very complex needs. Right, right. And, you know... First of all, thank you for all of the work that you did. This just sounds incredible. And honestly, you sound like kind of a miracle worker having to manage all of these moving pieces, the complex processes and such. It's interesting. You see a lot of coverage on the news about COVID caregivers, about the, the characteristics of the disease and all sorts of things in between. But how many times do we stop and think about what does it take to roll out something like this, to plan for something like this, and to make sure everybody is safe in the process? So absolutely incredible. I think that's the Um, hard part and maybe not, nobody should have, nobody should understand all the behind the scenes that it makes to happen. I know people are frustrated because they want to get the vaccine and why aren't they getting it faster? But Just to even make the plan occur, it requires pharmacy, infection prevention, infectious disease, employee health, legal, ethics, operational improvement. Um, There's just supply chain. We gotta make sure we have enough syringes and needles. There's just so many different components to your point to make sure that it is a safe process and that we are providing equitable allocation as well. I think that was always one of our main focus and main concerns is we wanted to make sure that we were allocating the vaccine in an equitable fashion so that there weren't any haves or have nots. I think that's a really interesting perspective on that too, because we're really fortunate at UNMC and Nebraska Medicine to have some of the country's leading experts on diversity, inclusivity. One of our infectious disease docs happens to be very nationally recognized Mm -hmm. in Um, health inequities, particularly related to infectious diseases, particularly related to COVID. And so um, I feel very fortunate that we were educated on that and that their voices were here to help us plan out our response. And, you know, you talk about what it takes to to plan something like this. Uh, Here in our office, in our continuing nursing education office, we have to walk through some of the similar processes in in putting on a good educational event. You don't know all that goes on behind the scenes, but boy, you sure know it if if one of those pieces falls, don't you? Yeah, you do. Did did you have any points in your process that were kind of scary or nerve-wracking that you could share? Yes. So I think in general, as a leader, you start to really worry about the team. 
Um, and even people that aren't quote unquote on your direct reports list, you start to worry about how many hours they're putting in, mental exhaustion, physical exhaustion is real. And for a while there, when we were working on the COVID vaccine plans and the monoclonal antibody plans, you know that people are working 16, 18 plus hours a day. You're getting emails at 2 a.m. You, It's just really hard and you start to really worry about your workforce and if you're going to lose people as you're coming up with these plans. But at the same time, they know the good that they're creating. And so they're willing to put in that extra work and the, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears to make the magic happen. I will tell you one of the biggest, I will say, defeating moments. So we had been planning this since, since beginning, middle of October, and we had taken the CDC's phase one, vaccinate healthcare workers, and we had broken it into levels. And so level one was those colleagues that were essentially in a more of an emergency trauma type environment where they could be taking care of COVID positive patients, but not have appropriate PPE. Then it was even subcategorized from there of people taking care of COVID patients, people taking care of patients, but asymptomatic, yada, yada, yada. Because we have 18,000 colleagues between Nebraska Medicine and UNMC that we needed to try and get vaccinated. And we didn't know if the state was gonna give us 10 vaccines, 100, 10,000. We had no idea what this was gonna look like. So we had to do some subsections. There is no right way to do that without making people feel like they were forgotten or they uh -huh. aren't as important as maybe another group. Right. Um, so what we did was we took, we took the levels that we had defined and we just looked at job title and department and said, well, your job title is nurse and your department is emergency department. We're going to put you in level one. Your job title is quality coordinator and you're in the quality department, we're gonna put you in level three. It was no looking at names, just trying to be as black and white as possible. At kind of the ninth hour, the decision was made by the steering committee to say, you know what? We need to send these, these lists to the leaders, the directors, vice presidents, deans, administrators, and let them know, hey, here's where we think your people should be. Do you wanna make modifications? At the end right. of the day, I'm very glad we made that decision. I think it helped with engagement. I think it helped people to know that they had a voice and that it wasn't some person sitting in an ivory tower selecting who gets assigned to what level. But we right. ended up sending out those level lists, I want to say, on Wednesday. Right. And we received our vaccines on Monday. So the timeline was tight. It was nerve wracking. We got over 6,000 change requests for 18,000 colleagues. So just trying to monitor and manage all of that information. One third, one third of the decision making had to be changed on the spot. And it wasn't about having a problem with the changes. It was more about, okay, so if group A says that they need to go up a level, and I'm, I'm gonna give just complete examples, none of this is real. But if we have a, a group of physicians that take care of a certain subset of patients and they felt like they needed to be in a higher level, well, what about the nurses that work with those same patients? What about the care techs? What about the radiologists? And so right. some of it really required a lot of thought, again, to make sure that it was all equitable because I don't want to move up one group and not move up another because the, the leaders in those two different areas had a different perception of what the level should be. So if I could do it all again, 
I think it would probably still go the same way, but maybe we could have more time. But then at the <laughs> same time, if we give people more time to debate, would everyone have just moved everybody into level one and then we have no levels and we're back to the same problem we started with? Right, right. Well, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? And so we have to just do the best we can with the cards that were dealt. And from my perspective, I actually saw those lists come out being a faculty member of the College of Nursing. And it seemed to work smoothly. So that there's a little bit of, um, I don't know, confirmation of, of how leaning, yeah, leaning on each I'm other. I'm glad really to hear that help. because I will tell you it was a debacle on my end. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, what did I do to people? <laughs> no, it doesn't look like that at all. It, it was highly effective. Well, you know, I think we could probably have this conversation for a hundred years and perhaps you'd like to come back as a guest periodically to share some more insights of your behind the scenes, seemingly Wizard of Oz type of position, (laughs) making things happen. I would love that. You know, I've got stories for days, depending on which hat you have me wear. I think the only comment I'd want to make to you is you mentioned a word that you said the word relief in your intro. Right. And I want you to know, so we have put in so many hours to make this work, even if it's messy, even if it's not perfect, we have put in so many hours. And there was a Thursday, was it Thursday? It was the, the night before our first clinic kickoff. Mm-hmm. I, it was probably 11 o'clock at night. I'm dealing with the thousands of change requests and trying to make sure all the lists are in order and we have staff and all of this other stuff. And I just broke down bawling. And it wasn't sad. It wasn't stress. It was 100% happy tears because we were, I'm getting goosebumps just even telling you about it because this is the relief. Mm -hmm. There are so many people who go to work every day who are scared that they're going to bring home something to their family who really don't know what the future holds. And I was just sobbing because this could be the light at the end of the day. Because you did it. Because you did it. You made it work. What these colleagues need to get back to normal. And so when you use the word relief, to me, that is a powerful word because I do hope that with this vaccine comes some relief for our nursing peers um, because I know they've been through a lot this past year. Wow, that's such a powerful and motivating and incredible story. And I'm so glad that you shared that. I think my, my only last remaining thought is Is there anything that you would like to tell the nurses who listen to our podcast, uh, some last minute pieces of advice or anything that could help them march through this phase of COVID recovery and give them some encouragement moving forward? Uh, I think the big thing is the vaccine is coming. You will get vaccinated if you so choose. And so I think really think positively on that. Our, our vaccine plans include students too. I think that's mm-hmm. something people were worried about. The other thing is, even though we're going to have this vaccine, we're still going to need our nurses to act as role models. So wearing their masks, washing their hands, um, because while you may have the vaccine, there are going to be a lot of people that don't. And if they see you without your mask and without your protective equipment, they're going to wonder why. And so just continuing to be that role model, continuing to be that, that person that people can look up to, because we will get through this. It's been a long journey, but we've got this. Wow. Thank you so much for that, Nicole. And thank you also to our special guest, Jetta Lee. Um, You know, we've learned a lot about giving each other grace during this time of social distancing. And quite frankly, Nicole, hearing her sweet little voice is 
very uplifting for me and I'm sure it, it has been for our listeners as well. So thank you so much for all that you've done. Thank you for taking the time, your precious time to talk to us today. We are so proud of you and everything that you've been able to accomplish and so thankful. So thanks for being our guest today on RN Huddle. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And that brings this episode to a close. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned into this episode. We really learned a lot about what it takes to, to march through planning and organizational challenges in trying to set up complex processes that are designed to offer safety to our patients and to our workers. To all the nurses out there, there are many Nicoles out there in your world, I am sure. So let's, let's be mindful of all that we are contributing to the healthcare world, to our, our patients, to the nation. I couldn't be more proud to be a nurse. And I thank you so much for your dedication to your job and to your dedication in listening to RN Huddle. Thank you so much. Until next time. Thank you for listening to RN Huddle. To stay connected, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at UNMC CNE or check out unmc.edu slash CNE for more program information.